Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our Browns-Ravens preview edition, so we have a packed show for you today. As always, Lance Reisland is going to join us a little later, give us his three keys to victory. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us, give us his best bets and some NFL bets that he likes as well. But first, it's me, Dan. Mary Kay is here. Ashley is here. And we are going to get you ready for this game. Three things to watch, and then we'll be back at the end And we'll wrap things up with our picks here, our very early picks, as we like to say, just so everyone's aware. We're recording this on Thursday. It is about 6.15 as we're recording. So three things to watch, Mary Kay. What do you have? You know, I just got done writing a story about how the Browns are using Roquan, Roquan Smith's words as bulletin board material. And, you know, he was talking about his warrior mentality And, you know, he was kind of going back and forth between specifically talking about the Browns and also just talking about what it's like to go into someone else's house and invade their territory and basically take no prisoners. Um, But the Browns, they're using this as bulletin board material. They love to get their hair on fire. And Roquan Smith has done this for them. So I talked to a couple guys today, and they basically, you know, admitted that – you know, that this is bulletin board material, and it will help them get very fired up for the Ravens. So that's what I'm watching. I'm watching the Browns defense coming out to completely shut down Lamar Jackson, even more so than they probably would have. So I am looking for the quote here. Um, Here we go. So the question is, and this is off the Ravens transcript, on if he embraces playing the villain role and going to away games. Um, And the gist of it is, Um, at the end of the day, you're considered the bad guy because you're going into essentially another man's house and you're trying to take over his wife, kids, everyone is there to watch him. So we're going over there to beat their tails in front of their wife and kids. So when you think about it from that perspective, any man is going to fight till the death at that point. I know if that's me in that case, I know I would. So a little bit of context softens it. However, As I said to you, Mary Kay, the only thing that matters is the part that the Browns see and the part that the Browns choose to use, which is we're going over there to beat their tails in front of their (laughs) wife and kids. That's all that matters, right? That is all that matters. That's absolutely all that that matters because the Browns are fired up about this. I mean, when Grant Delpit walked away from us today, he was so disappointed that we did not ask him (laughs) about Roquan's comments. So you know it's in their heads, it's in their thoughts, because you could interpret that as saying, oh, well, he's just describing his warrior mentality. But if you read the whole entire interview, there's a lot of, oh, well, I'm a dog. You know, I mean, there, there, there are some subtle shots there. And, you know, I think he kind of crossed the line over into, I'm going to just throw some gas on this fire. Yeah, I mean, like I've said this before, Ashley, on this podcast, 
these guys, especially veterans, when they, they know what they're saying when they go behind a microphone, they know it's getting streamed. They know somebody can clip something. And again, all that matters is what the Browns choose to clip and show to their players. And I think Kevin, for his quiet as he is with us and as cool as he plays it with us as a big bulletin board material guy i'm still convinced that somewhere in this building or some saturday meeting there was that screenshot when we all picked the cowboys to beat the browns <laughs> and jw johnson was very quick to tweet that out after that clock hit zero so <laughs> i'm just wondering if that was also somewhere kevin finds motivation and certainly this is going to serve as that for this football team. Yeah, I mean, there's so many examples of this, but, like, my first thought, like, when, when we hear the whole context, like, it matters to us, right? And, like, we categorize and we pour over these words and what the question was and all that stuff. These players aren't going to do that, and they're going to use it to get themselves fired up, even if that wasn't the intention of Roquan Smith. Like, I think about what Jamar Chase and the Bengals receivers said on that podcast about Greg Newsome, right? And maybe this is on my mind because I wrote about Greg today. But Jamar Chase's comment about Greg not being elite was like, yeah, he's not elite, but it's also it's only his second year in the league and he plays with a really good corner. Like, right, like Jamar had all these stipulations attached to that comment. Greg doesn't care about that. All (laughs) Greg hears is a receiver saying, I'm not elite. So this is another example, I think, of that. Um, and I, I kind of like it when they show personality like this. I mean, the quotes of Mary Kay's story were kind of funny, especially the quotes from JOK. Um, so, yeah, I don't I like would be shocked if they didn't use those comments in a way to fire them up. I also think it speaks Mary Kay to like people haven't quite caught up. Players haven't quite caught up with what the Browns actually are. Like, they know this defense is good, but they're probably like, ah, you know, it's like the Juju Browns is the Browns. Like, it's still the Browns, right? It's still, you know, the Ravens have gone to whatever the stadium was called when they did it and, and won games there in the past. I feel like there's a lag there. And so it is. there is some disrespect being shown to the Browns because they aren't scared of the Browns. And eventually, if this team keeps performing like they have, that'll change. But until it does... The Browns are going to keep getting this bulletin board material. Yeah, there were other little shots in there, too. Uh, He said, you know, something to the effect of, um, you know what? I don't really watch their defense much because, to be honest with you, I don't really care. Um, (laughs) You know, so there were little things like that. You know, I mean, they are coming in here to play the number one defense in the NFL. He also said, it's only week four. Nobody's christening anybody anything right now. So he didn't really give the Browns their just desserts for being the really good defense that they are right now. And, uh, you know, again, he's been hanging out with with Ray Lewis. And, you know, you're going to end up probably being, uh, you know, a little bit more fiery than you normally w- would be when you're being mentored by Ray Lewis <laughs> and you're watching film with Ray Lewis. And Ray would say anything that he wanted to say. And, uh, you know, so I think Roquan is, you know, trying to spice this up a little bit and bring a little juice. And he might be, I wrote this in my story, he might be trying to get his own game face on because these guys are in a brutal stretch right now of three straight road games against AFC opponents, two uh, against AFC North opponents, the Browns, and then the Steelers. Then they go to London and play the Titans, and they know that they've got to get up for these games. And I mean, this is a huge game. It's two two and one teams. You know, as Jim Schwartz said, somebody's going to leave this game three and one. Somebody's going to be two and two. Um, so this this is a gigantic game on on both sides early in the season. So, yeah, it's look, we'll take it. We like it when guys say so. Because I'll tell you what, in this building here that we're sitting in right now as we're recording, they don't say a word. 
Like, it has been mum. Like, they do not like to say things. I don't know if that comes from Kevin or Jim or who, whomever it is, but guys here are not putting that bulletin board material out there very often. We'll see. Miles, Miles kind of does whatever he wants, but uh, okay, Ashley, what are you watching? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this, and there are a couple of ways to go, but I think I'm actually going to go with the offense this time, and since Mary Kay didn't say Deshaun Watson, I'm going to say Deshaun (laughs) Watson, Um, because even though the Ravens have injuries, like, I'm very curious to see how this defense attacks Deshaun Watson, and knowing how aggressive the Ravens' front can be, and knowing that Jadavian Clowney is going to be up there, and Jadavian's one of those guys who knows Deshaun really well from their time in Houston and I'm sure knows how to rattle him a little bit and he's been playing well. I know he leads them with 13 pressures right now. He has a sack and a half, I think. Um, He looked pretty good going against the Colts. He looked good going against the Bengals and I think Mike McDonald, you know, in in his second year as D coordinator for them, he's pretty good at, at blitzing and disguising what he's doing. So I think it's a tough test for Deshaun and I'm I'm curious to see if he's gonna look rattled and obviously he has the shoulder thing this week so how the Ravens are gonna you know attack that or anything if we're gonna see him run more which I know you guys talked about yesterday like there's a lot there I think with this game and just a, an opponent that has some familiarity with Cleveland obviously <laughs> Yeah, and we all are watching that shoulder. I mean, we walked out there today, and it was, look, the Browns had him on the far field. They knew what they were doing. They knew that it's harder for us to get to, we can get there, but it's harder for us to get to that far field where he was throwing. Um, And they waited to send him over there until it was really too late for any of us to be able to walk over there and, and then walk back. So they were kind of playing some games with us today after we observed him not throwing. But he did throw on Thursday, Mary Kay. And actually, this reminds me, I, I just Googled it, but I remember um, there was a time in Houston where he couldn't fly, so he took a bus to a game in Jacksonville and started that game. So Deshaun's going to play this game. The only way he's not playing this game is if he takes a wrong turn and gets lost and ends up in Akron at, at kickoff. I don't think that's going to happen either. He's going to play. It's just a matter of what kind of percentage he's at. Yeah, I mean, he is really resting that shoulder. He skipped a bunch of reps today, and when he came over... Uh, closer to us so that we could actually see what he was doing today. Uh, I think I was able to capture like the only short pass he actually threw when it came time to throwing to the backs or the receivers uh, because he kept skipping reps and skipping reps and um, he didn't really do very much today at all. He was listed again as limited and he's going to take it easy, but nothing will keep him out of this game. Nothing's going to keep him out of this game. It's just going to be like, as we mentioned the other day, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a matter of whether or not he can throw the long ball. And if he can't stretch the defense with the long ball against an an inferior and sort of challenged banged up secondary, uh, then that's going to change things for them because that is one of their bread and butter things. I mean, they just love to fire that ball downfield to whoever lately it's been mostly Amari and Amari's smart enough to draw the flag. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to do that and uh, it changes things. So, you know, if he can do that, then, you know, they've got their full complement of, of the playbook uh, at their disposal. If he can't do that, then they're just going to have to get a little bit more creative. Okay. Are you ready for the sports talk topic? Is there any case to be made 
to sitting Deshaun if that shoulder is a little <laughs> bit off? Is there any like case at all? Or is it like, no, this guy's the starting quarterback. You play him. I don't care. It depends. I mean, it absolutely 100% depends on what's really going on with the shoulder. Because you've got the bye week coming up, and then you've got San Francisco coming in here, and that's going to be take a beating city probably. (laughs) So if you think that further damage could happen to this shoulder, then you really do have to think about it. But from every one that I've talked to, it doesn't seem to have risen to that level. It seems to be sore. But no structural damage, I don't think. So I, I think it's all signs are pointing to the fact that he's going to play. But I don't know. I think they should really at least get to get to tomorrow, you know, the last full practice, and see how he's really feeling. Yeah, and not to re-legislate 2021 I was here. Just say. But and this is a different injury, right? <laughs> like that was a, a clear dislocation. Like Baker, like Baker Mayfield was that. It wasn't like a sore shoulder. It was. It was an injury. Dis- yes. Yeah. But they did keep running Baker out there over and over again. And also maybe those circumstances, well, not maybe, those circumstances were definitely different than what we have with Deshaun Watson here um, as far as maybe why Baker kept getting run out there or whatever. But there was a stubbornness there with Baker Mayfield and keeping running him out of there instead of giving Case Keenum a start or two, except for that Thursday night game. So I don't know, Ashley, maybe there is a case, but I don't know that any of us are going to make it necessarily. I mean, I think it's it's what Mary Kay said, which is like, is this an injury that can get worse or is it a sore shoulder that you can fight through? And Deshaun Watson, I think, knows his body better than anybody, obviously, in terms of whether he knows he can play or not, because the only games he's missed because of an injury are because of the ACL, right? Like he's never sat out with something nagging. So I just think like if he's really hurt, he would know that and be smart enough about that, you would think. Um, But it's also it's a big division game. So I understand him wanting to play and especially when it's a guy who hasn't really missed games for injuries in his career. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the defense. We're hitting all the all the hits today. But I think this is a really interesting test for Jim Schwartz's defense because I, I looked it up. He's played Lamar Jackson one other time. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but they sacked him three times. He threw for – it was he didn't throw for 200 yards. Um, he did run for over 100, and the, the Ravens won that game against Philadelphia. It was in 2020. But the test here is interesting because I do think – for all the flaws that Joe Woods' defense had, which are really getting exposed this year, he did do well against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Mary Kay. I mean, those Browns defenses under Joe Woods really never let Lamar Jackson get loose. They had the four interception game that they, you know, they should have won that game. And they did a nice job against Lamar Jackson. Leo, last year, they should have won that game in Baltimore, right? When, and they did a nice job harassing Lamar. And a lot of that was that zone scheme. And it worked really well against Lamar. So... This is kind of a good opportunity to see how does Jim Schwartz's defense do against a quarterback that you don't face many Lamar Jacksons, but how are they going to do against a guy that is going to play a big role in whether they win this division or not? Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Jim Schwartz decides to play these guys. And conversely, it's going to be really interesting to see what in the heck Todd Munkin, former Browns offensive coordinator, is going to do to try to find a hole or a weakness in this defense because I really can't find one. And I don't know what you can do to try to convert a freaking third down 
or what you can do to try to get yourself in the red zone or in the end zone. And you know what? Maybe we'll be surprised and we'll see that, oh, they hadn't played somebody like Lamar Jackson yet. Uh, or, you know, Pittsburgh was a weird game. But, um, you know, maybe maybe we'll we'll see that, you know, there, there are things that you can possibly do uh, to, you know, to move the football and, and score the football. But I don't know what those things are going to be. I think Lamar is going to be on the run, and I don't know if he's going to have anywhere to go. I really don't. And they're going to have to figure out, okay, what do we do now? Because if you shorten the field and you have to get rid of the ball that quickly, you know, then then you're basically taking them out of, out of their game and out of their element. And I, I just don't know what in heck you can do against this defense. It's going to be really interesting to see, as we've talked about over the weeks, what the Kyle Shanahan's are going to come up with, what the Sean McVay's are going to come up with, right? Like, what are these teams going to do to try to find something that you can do against this defense? Uh, I don't know. I mean, right now, I'd like to see the Miami Dolphins play this defense. Yeah. That's what I would. That's yeah. what I would like to see because maybe they could score on this defense. But I don't know that many other teams are, are going to be able to make too much hay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the answer is like you just have to have a superhero at quarterback, and Lamar has that in him, right? Like, so maybe you have to be like a, a freakish athlete like Lamar Jackson, or you have to be like Patrick Mahomes, who, you know. It's hard to sack, and then he'll complete a 70-yard pass down the field. Same with, like, a Josh Allen, or maybe that's the answer. I don't know, but you're not going to face many of those guys because there aren't many of those guys. But I guess we find out a little bit this week, Ashley, like maybe having kind of a superhero back there is part of it because Lamar, again, going against more man coverage than they played under Joe Woods, maybe he'll find some opportunities to take advantage of that. Maybe, but, like, I still am just – I don't know. Like, I – I think this defense is like the most confident I've been in this defense in the last few years. Um, And it's like, not only are they so good with their pass rush right now, but this secondary has been playing really well, which Dan, I know you're like writing about that now, so you can probably dive into it a bit more than I'm going to, but like, look at a guy like Grant Delpit, who's having the best start to his career. They're moving him all over the place. I know Todd Munkin even talked about that today from reading the transcript about they will send Grant to rush the quarterback if they want even. They are doing a lot of different things with him. Um, He has a really good run defense grade right now. I'm looking at PFF. He has the third best run defense grade on the team behind Z and Shelby Harris right now. Um, There's just so much that this defense can do, and I think the pass rush and the coverage are really working in tandem. A lot of guys have talked about that, and that pass rush is able to be so aggressive because the secondary is really holding things down in the back end. So, yeah, I mean, it would take, like, some superhero plays from Lamar, like that play in 2021 where he ran back, like, 20 (laughs) yards from the, you know, he's, like, past the 30 and just threw it up, and Mark Andrews just went up and caught it. But, like, I I don't know if this Ravens offense can do it right now with how banged up some of these guys are. Yeah, and they're still getting used to things too, yeah. right? Like Lamar hasn't played a ton with Zay Flowers. He hasn't played a ton in Todd Munkin's offense. So there's that too. And when we're talking about superheroes, the Browns have a guy named Miles Garrett still. Like he's kind of built to chase down Lamar Jackson. We've talked about, you know, not to the same level of player, but, you know, JOK matches up. He's kind of the Lamar, I don't want to say Lamar stopper, but he is kind of in that role. Like if he's spying, that's kind of what Grant's role is going to be too. So I don't know. 
I don't know what the answer is. I'm glad I'm not an, uh, an offensive coordinator trying to figure out this defense. I'd be a lot richer, but I'd also be a lot more stressed out. I know. I mean, Todd Munkin has got to be burning the midnight oil trying to figure out what in the heck he can do. And I saw a quote out of uh, a tweet out of Tennessee today where their offensive coordinator was just like, you know, I'm still like really <laughs> feeling bad about that whole thing and the job that I did. And I think, I mean, anybody's got to feel that way right now. But one of the key things for them to do is to protect well up front. Mm -hmm. And they're getting Ronnie Stanley back. They're getting their center back. And, you know, if if they can hold up against this defensive front a little bit better than some other teams have, you know, then it won't be the beatdown that I think it has the potential to be. But right now, I don't know. I feel like the, the defense is just, just lights out. And I, I think, too, it's making it really hard. Like, it's funny because out of the Ravens presser statement, I was looking at what Todd Munkin said. It's like someone asked him, like, oh, how hard is it, like, when you you can't really just focus on Miles Garrett because you have Zadarius Smith on the other side. But, like, it's not even just Miles and Z at this point. Like, those guys are playing good. But, like, Z doesn't even have his first sack yet, which he <laughs> wants. Like, it's also oboe. It's also the fact that sometimes they decide, hey, let's line Dalvin Tomlinson up opposite a tackle and see what happens. Like, they're doing that kind of stuff. They're letting Miles rush over the center. Like, it's great that Tyler Lindenbaum's going to be back for them, but it's a tough <laughs> assignment when you have Miles Garrett faking a crossover in your face and standing up and then rushing past you. Like, I think all that movement is going to be really, really something that Todd Munkin is going to have to try to game plan for. And I don't know how you do that because it's just so off the wall, some of the stuff they're doing, but it's working. And by the way, they've only forced two turnovers. Yeah. So that, which I, I looked this up. They've played the second fewest plays defensively of any team in the NFL. Having only forced two turnovers, the number one team is the Bills. I think it's like nine snaps difference, maybe a little more than that. The Bills have forced nine turnovers. So to play as few snaps as they have without forcing turnovers is really impressive. And once they start doing that, that's like the next level for this defense. So again, I'm glad I'm not an offensive coordinator in this league going against that team. The other thing to consider here is the fact that uh, two of their top receivers have not practiced all week right. in yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad, Rashad Bateman. Uh, now, for, good for them, for the Ravens on their side, that they have Gus Edwards back, but um, but they don't have their two, you know, two of their top receivers. So that's that's going to be difficult if those guys don't get back. And if you didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday, I think it's hard, hard to play on Sunday. So I don't know. I think this is going to be quite the challenge for the Ravens to, to come in here and try to win this game. Okay, well, we're going to get to that. Uh, first, Lance Reisland is going to give us his three keys to victory. He's going to make his pick. Tyler Shoemaker is going to give us some betting angles on this game and across the league. And then we're going to come back and we're going to give you our picks for this football game. Okay, welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We welcome on Lance Reisland. Lance, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you, Nate? Doing well. We've had some technical difficulties. Nobody knows what we've had to go through just to get to this point. But here we are. We've made it. And Lance... I've actually asked you this question about four times already, but before you get to the ways you think the Browns could win this game, I want to start here. Lamar Jackson is having a great season throwing the football. His completion percentage is sky high. What's going on with Lamar? Why is he having so much success throwing the ball? 
Well, you know, like you said, he's completing 73% of his passes, and that's, you know, that's really, really high for him. And I think, obviously, the the easiest answer is Todd Munkin. And Munkin has brought in uh, more spread sets. Um, I was a big Greg, Greg Roman fan. Not many people were, but I thought he maximized, did a really good job of maximizing uh, Lamar's ability to run the ball. And they were quirky in what they did with the motions and things like that. But this is more of a pro-style offense, obviously, coming from Georgia. He's been a uh, NFL college uh, coordinator. So he's kind of like, in my opinion, he's kind of like Schwartz on the offense side of the ball. He likes to find uh, matchups. He likes to do those different types of things. And, and I think he's just he spread things out. He gives Lamar Jackson some gifts, meaning, you know, off run plays. He can throw some RPOs, some easy hitches. He's got Zay Flowers in the slot, which has helped him. He's their leading receiver. So I just think he's making the throws a lot more high percentage. Uh, I think he's um, throwing the ball a lot shorter. There's not so many vertical concepts. And obviously, the shorter you throw the ball, the higher your percentage at any level. And I just think Munkin's cleaned up his footwork in the pocket. Uh, I think he's very, very good in the pocket, but I still think he's most dangerous outside the pocket. Okay, so let's get to it. You've got three keys to the Browns winning this game. Let's just get to that first one. Well, I think the first thing you got to do is you got to make him a pocket passer. You got to, you know, as good as he is outside the pocket, you got to keep him inside the pocket. Uh, I, like I said, I think he's good enough to beat you from the pocket, but I know he's good enough to beat you outside the pocket. And I think what they got to do is I think they got to not, not only make him a pocket passer, but they got to make him a vertical passer. Uh, if you look at a lot of other stuff on film, they're a lot more empty. There's a lot more spread sets and there's a lot more easy th- uh, throws, like I said. So I think that, you know, the Browns will press. Um, I think the Browns will take advantage of their corners and their ability to do things. And I think um, that in the end, I think the Browns are going to have success because I don't think um, they're going to have, you know, they haven't done a lot. So that vertical pass game from the pocket is going to be tough. And I think if they can keep in the pocket, maybe use Delpit, maybe JOK on third down along, uh, you know, to maybe spy a little bit. Um, but I don't see Schwartz taking a back seat. They're going to pressure him. They're not going to pay so- uh, soft like a lot of teams do with these running quarterbacks. And they're going to pressure and get after it and do what they do. Is there any chance that their aggression could work against them in a matchup like this with the way that Lamar plays the position? Well, I think there always is, you know, especially when you're, you're a man team. So you can get caught in man sometimes. Some guys could just get beat. Sometimes the guys run a good route. But I think you live and die by what you are and who you are and what your identity is. And the Browns' identity right now through three games is they're going to dictate, you know, so if you if they're going to dictate what happens. So if you look at Lamar Jackson, you constantly hear you got to rush in your pass lanes. You have to keep everything in front, which I agree with. There's some there's some things you have to do. But I don't think Schwartz worked like that. Schwartz is going to do what they do. And if you look in the past, um, you know, these running quarterbacks, sometimes they struggle with pressure. And even though you might get burn in man coverage with some running and some third downs, I think he sticks. In fact, I know he'll stick with what he does. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to dictate uh, to Lamar Jackson. He's not going to wait for a big play or try to minimize. Lamar Jackson is going to make his plays. He's one of the elite guys in the NFL. So he's going to make some plays. There's no question about it. It's what plays are you going to make against him and how do those balance out? And I think the Browns' secondary matches up very well. I think the athletes on the second level match very well. And I think they dominate up front. So I think it's a good matchup. And it almost feels like you have this big athletic front, right? Miles Garrett and Darius Smith. Um, you know, JOK obviously has done well against him, but started just with that front. It just seems like Miles Garrett is made to deal with a matchup like this. He's one of those rare ends that is athletic enough to, you know, maybe he can't keep up with Lamar step for step, but he can certainly make life hard for Lamar. Well, yeah, athletically, they match up. So not only are they good pass rushers, but there's good pass rushers that are, you know, stiff. These guys are all athletic guys that can move. Uh, they can get a little a little bit out of their lane and kind of make up for it. And that's kind of the freedom Schwartz gives, that they don't have to read the tackle as much. You know, if, if Stanley's not back healthy, and even if he is healthy, 
are healthier. That's a really tough matchup uh, for the Ravens. Uh, not only that, but everywhere. I think Linderbaum coming back at center is going to be huge because he'll struggle with they'll struggle with Tomlinson inside. Uh, but the matchups with all four. So not only are you getting Miles Garrett, but now you have all four of these guys who play at a high level. Uh, it's very hard to dictate where you're going to get pressure to. The Browns. Um, you can argue have as good a defensive line as anybody in the NFL, and they're playing like that now. I think they need to continue to do it. It's only been three games, but right now uh, defenses usually show their hand early on how aggressive they're going to be, and the Browns are showing their hand that they're going to be pretty good all year. Okay, let's move on. What's your second key here? Uh, My second key is Kyle Hamilton, and the reason I I pick Kyle Hamilton is because I think they need to identify him when he's blitzing off the edge and in the run game, and they also need to identify him in the pass game. So in the run game, I think he's somebody that they need to account for, they need to find, run away from, make sure they have a hat for him, and they also make sure in pass protection that they get a good matchup. He's big, he's long, he's tall, he's explosive, he's a really good athlete. That being said, I think he can struggle a little bit with Elijah Moore in the slot. I think because of that length, he's not as sudden and twitchy. Uh, You know, Josh Downs did a little bit of that last week with the Colts. Um, And I think that's where you can get him. Get him out of the box a little bit, get him in coverage, and take advantage of that because he's a pretty good player. So I think they got to identify him um, when he can be a threat, and I think they need to attack him when they can get him in those positions. And I've said it before. I think Kevin Stefanski is really good at finding that matchup and being able to create a formation to get him out where he needs him. Is this a situation where the way the Browns have been using more spread formations and more empty backfields, it kind of forces Hamilton into having to play more coverage? Yeah, because those guys are the, those guys are the the tweener guys that can play. You know, those hybrid guys that were at hybrid here all the time. Jok Delpit. Those and they actually uh, Hamilton reminds me of Delpit. They kind of have similar skill set where they're really good in the box, and it does. It makes you. It's like the. I mean, we've said it with Delpit. Delpit's really good. He can cover guys and things like that. But he's good when he gets to make plays and he gets to just play and read things in front of him and go make tackles. And if you watch Hamilton on quick screens and. All those kind of things that everybody tries to do. He's good. He's aggressive. He's too big for receivers. He's faster than tight ends. But the only thing he really struggles with is those sudden twitchy guys because he's so long. It's hard to be short. It's hard to be explosive in a short area at that length. So I think by formation, you you know, not only you get him out of the box, but you just lighten the box in general. Um, and now with, you know, Chubb not around, you can see the Browns continuously spreading it out. Still running the ball, but continuously spreading it out. Okay. What's your third key? Well, the third key is they can't abandon the run game. And, you know, that's what everybody kind of, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, the Browns are, you know, you hear people, we're going to, we're going to let Watson do his thing. And, and I agree, Watson is the key, but the Browns have to, at all football, you have to still be able to run the ball in key times. You still have to be able to not have people get out of the box so easy. And that offensive line was built to run the ball. And if you have a concern, For this Browns football team right now, for me, it's the offensive line and straight pass protection. You know, they've had to pass protect for multiple years now off play action, um, which is a lot different than drop back uh, protection. I think, you know, Callahan will get that done, but there's going to be a learning curve in terms of just straight drop backs. You know, if Watson's going to drop back 35, 40 times a game, that's what that offensive line is not, you know, they're not made that way right now. And so they need to run the ball. And I think against this massive, you know, this Jones and, uh, Matabuke and and these other guys that are just massive inside Pierce these guys are massive inside and then those two linebackers Queen and uh, uh whom I think a Queen and, and uh Smith these guys are they you know they have 33 they have 30 over 30 tackles they both have 12 last week these guys are hard, hard to run tackle to tackle but I think you can get them on the edge and, you know these edge guys for the Ravens are upfield they like to the pressure so I think you can run to that edge uh with their outside zone with their counter game just enough 
just enough to keep that defense honest so they're not constantly pinning their ears back coming after them and putting pressure on that offensive line. So I think they got to run the ball just enough and not abandon it uh, completely as the season moves on. Yeah, one of the things I'm really interested in is how this running back room evolves, right? With Jerome Ford, who's kind of a, a boom, more of a boomer bust type of runner. Kareem Hunt, we know he can kind of handle that workload, but he's just coming back. So we'll see. I feel like we'll have a little more clarity after the bye, how this team wants to use these running backs. And I, I really think, you know, this isn't, you can just turn and hand the ball to Nick Chubb 18, 20 times. You, they're going to have to figure out sort of how to divide this stuff up, I think. Well, you know, the thing that you saw about game planning with Stefanski is that you saw, as we talked about, you know, earlier this week, you know, Ford running a slug out outside in the route that, you know, that's playing to his strengths. Ford can do multiple things, uh, not only in, in the backfield, but he can now be a part of their empty package if they want. He can still, you know, if they get nickel or dime, he can be in the backfield and they can use that power run game if defenses are going to try to spread out. But you saw with with him outside, him running a sluggle, that's something Nick Chubb doesn't do. He doesn't run routes like that on the outside. So that tells me that Stefanski is not only uh, adjusting to not having Chubb, but he's adjusting to what his guys do. You know, he's going to have um, Kareem Hunt is going to be a, a fantastic guy to pound up in there, and, you know, and be the third down guy. I think they're I think you would think of these guys both as one and one a not really the starter and the backup because they kind of bring a different skill set depending on what the defense is going to give them. Uh, I think Stefanski likes that. I think he likes that flexibility to be able to get in formations. We've talked about it for years for, you know, 13 personnel, 12 personnel, but getting into empty and the matchups when the Joku and he's got Aikens and he's got Cooper and he's got more now. And he's got all these different kind of guys. And I think, you know, spread wise, Ford adds to that. So I think he will be the starter because he can be outside. And you saw, I mean, he ran a really good sluggo route which tells me he can run all the routes because that's an advanced level route uh, at the NFL level. So it tells me he can run, especially if teams are going to try to put a backer out on him. So I think it will be, I think you're right. You know, there's only a couple days of uh, prep with the short week. Um, they're going to kind of figure out what they're doing offensively as a whole once they get to the bye week. Okay, it's time. What are you picking for this game, Lance? Well, you know what? I I, I was uh, humbled last week, uh, which I was, you know, it was good. But I, I needed to see that offense do it. And we, we've saw, talked about it for years now. And I still need the offense to continuously do it. But you saw steps. But the thing that I know uh, from football is defense. Usually defenses are what they are. And this Browns defense is fast, aggressive, and it's it's a top five defense right now. Obviously, they need to keep doing it. Uh, but Jim Schwartz has that track record. So I just think with the new offense coordinator – uh, them still learning stuff, uh, the injuries they have. Uh, I think they have trouble scoring. I think Watson continues to get better. I got 24. I'm going 24-10 Browns. That, that's a big one. All right, 24-10. Mm -hmm. to 10. That's, our, that's our first pick here of the podcast. So we're going to take a break. Then Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us. He's going to talk about some of the bets in this game. He'll tell us what he's thinking here in this one. Uh, and then at the very end, Mary Kay, Ashley, and I will make our picks. Lance, I got to tell you, take four of this was the best take. I think I'm going to keep it. appreciate you taking the time. As always, thanks for having me, Dan. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We now welcome on Tyler Shoemaker, who joins us every week to uh, give us his updated rank rankings, give us his best bets for this Browns game. I ask him about some NFL bets, too. Tyler, how are you today? Good, Dan. Good to be back. Okay, let's start here. I, I like to, to kind of hear how each game impacts these teams. So let's start with the Browns after that performance against the Titans. Uh, again, the defense continues to dominate the offense, probably their best performance really since Deshaun Watson took over last season. Uh, so where do you have the Browns ranked right now? 
Yeah, so they, they're eighth overall right now. Um, defense is number three overall in the league, and the, the offense is now uh, in the top 10 as well at, at number 10. If they, especially on the defensive side, if they continue playing like they have been, um, I don't see any way that they're not going to be my number one defense by the end of the season. Uh, and and my, my bet for this week is going to kind of play off of that again because uh, they, they cashed that, that Titans team total under very easily for us last week. Yeah, that was an easy one. You didn't like you weren't even nervous about that one. So no. yeah, that was ob- obviously an excellent call. Uh, I So that's a big jump for the offense to move all the way up to number 10 overall. What was it about their performance that did that? Well, I mean, the my my motto has a lot of respect for or at least did have, have a lot of respect for the, the Titans on the defensive side. Now, the offense you know, has, has never really been, been great as far as my model is concerned, but it did have, you know, some, some respect for the defense. So, you know, for, for Cleveland to, to show up and put some points on the board, like they did really, uh, really help their offensive rating. Okay. So now the team that the Browns are playing this week, the Ravens, wh- where do you have them? Yeah, the, the Ravens and the Browns are, are very close across the board. So the Ravens are number nine overall, just one spot behind the Browns. Uh, offensively, the Ravens are number 13 and defensively they're number nine. So, I mean, pretty, pretty similar. I mean, the biggest, the biggest difference here is the Browns defense, number three, Ravens defense, number nine. Um, so I, I do think, uh, the Browns will have a, a slight edge here in this game. But these teams are pretty close, which, which I think yep. is interesting. Um, and you know, when you kind of watch the Ravens, they've certainly had their issues, but they're two and one, they have scored some points. Uh, the Browns defense is kind of carrying them, but it sounds like, you know, you kind of view these teams pretty close together. Yeah, and and that you know that that's in line with where the market's at because the the Browns are a three point favorite, so you know you you factor in the three for home field, so you you assume the odds makers have these teams pretty much dead even as well. So I, I guess I, I'm just wondering, like going back to the Browns ranking real quick, how far, how high up can a defense carry a team in your overall ranking? So for example, let's say the Browns offense kind of spins its wheels and sputters a little bit here and there as it finds its footing, but the defense continues to dominate. How high up can like just a defense carry a team? Uh, I I think it could carry them pretty pretty far because right now, you know, the Browns are only in terms of like rating points, they're only three points below my. Uh, I'm sorry, they're num- they're four and a half points below my number one team, which is the Bills. So you know, from a a, a defensive rating standpoint, you know, a couple more games like like they had against the Titans, and and they'll be right up there in in the mix in terms of their, their overall power rating. So I definitely think, you know, kind of kind of the anti-Browns right now would be the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are up to number three overall, my, my rating. So that, that should kind of give some perspective as to, you know, teams that are kind of really one-sided, uh, how high they can climb in, in the ratings. Okay, so a question you completely weren't prepared for here because we weren't going to talk about the Dolphins, but I am just curious. <laughs> what does a 70-point game do Especially early in the season, what does it do to to kind of your stuff? Uh, it it makes a big difference because <laughs> you know, like like I had mentioned before, you know, odds makers they have their preseason ratings and then they gradually phase those out as we get data points throughout the season. I don't think odds makers phase out their preseason priors until like maybe ten or eleven games into the season, but because I make my model from like a betting perspective and I'm trying to get ahead of the odds makers, I actually am more aggressive in phasing out those preseason priors, which makes every game, you know, especially early in the season that much more impactful on the rating. So, so the, uh, the dolphins did, did get a nice, a nice boost after that. They, they got a five point bump in, in their power rating after last week. Okay. Let's get back to this game on Sunday. So you mentioned it, uh, the line right now on this game, uh, on DraftKings it's three. You can actually on FanDuel right now, as of, 
Thursday evening, you can actually get it uh, at the Browns minus two and a half. So um, a little different there, but what, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, so I, I project the Browns minus four and a half here uh, with a total of 41 and a half. So I'm, I'm a little bit higher than the line, but you know, like we like we talked about last week, these these divisional games, I just or two weeks ago, these, these divisional games are, are just tough for me to bet in over because the teams are so familiar with each other, uh, especially these teams. You know, I mean, the, like the, I feel like the AFC North, even more so than some of these other divisions, these teams are really familiar with each other, really don't like each other. Uh, so it, it's generally very physical, very um, much, much lower scoring than normal. So I don't put a ton of stock into the fact that I project a slight over here. Uh, but I, you know, if I had to, to pick a side in this game, I, I definitely would would lay the three, two and a half or three points with the Browns. Um, and I actually, I wrote a, an article this week at VEASAN.com talking about when you should and shouldn't buy buy points in the NFL. So uh, if you're interested, go go check that out so you can understand, you know, when you're getting the best price. Because sometimes even getting two and a half might not be as good as getting three, depending on what the juice is. So I laid all that out with, with a nice chart and everything. So uh, go, go read that if, if you're interested from a betting perspective. Okay, here's another kind of random question. With the defense as dominant as the Browns, when we're talking totals, right? So, like, the Browns scored 27 last week. So you would think if one team scores 27, you'd feel pretty good about a total if it was, like, in the low 40s or at 40. But because that defense is so dominant, it ended up at 30 points. And we see this sometimes. A team wins a game 35-3. to So it ends up going under, even though one team scored a bunch of points. How much of a factor is having a defense that dominant how much should people factor that in when they are looking at totals uh well i i factored in a lot i mean obviously that's already accounted for in my projection but in terms of like my analysis on the game and, and deciding what i'm gonna bet it absolutely plays a factor and that's why you know last week we went to the team total uh bet under on the on the titans and that's spoiler that's where i'm going back to this week because uh like i said last week if there's one unit on the field that i know i can count on to show up it's going to be the browns defense uh and that's that's been the case for the last two weeks now so I, i'm, I'm going to make a bet on the browns defense you know more so than than the browns as a whole especially when you factor in you know i know uh watson got got banged up uh you would know better than i do but from everything i've read it seems like he's probably going to play uh, i know the ravens are dealing with some injuries as well so with some uncertainty on the injury front as well that that makes it a little more dicey um so yeah i I trust the Browns defense more than any other unit in this game. So, so you did just t- kind of touch on it, but you do like that, that team total. What is that at right now? Uh, the team total, the Ravens team total is 19 and a half. And I, I like that under, I would, I would play that to, to 17 and a half. Is, is there anything else you like in this game? You know, I, I looked at, at the props. Um, there just wasn't again, especially, I mean, I, I try to make these, you know, as Browns friendly as I can. I mean, if I was <laughs> going to play a prop, I know Browns fans, Probably this is no fun for them to, to actually bet on, but uh, the Deshaun Watson passing yards total under, you know, if he's banged up, if he plays one snap, you know, and, and then decides he, he can't go or whatever, like that, that's going to count. I think there's a lot of scenarios where he goes under his passing total, you know, more so than there, than the scenarios of him going over the passing total, especially against this Ravens defense. So, uh, you know, Ford, Ford let us down on the, on the rushing prop over. Uh, so I, I don't want to go back to the well there. So th- there really wasn't anything else that I I loved here. I mean, if you wanted to go really Browns crazy, like I said, you could you could lay the two and a half or three points with the Browns and take the Ravens team total under and just kind of go two for one here. Uh, but that, that's really the only two two things I, I like here in this game. 
Yeah, we thought we had found something with that Ford number, and then it's it got to about the middle of the third quarter, and I'm like, well, yeah. here we go again. I guess I'm not smarter <laughs> than uh, than these guys. <laughs> yep, yeah, that that was that was tough. I thought I thought we were onto something there, but you know, hey, maybe we're onto something with these team totals, and and we'll keep keep going back to the well as long as the Browns defense keeps delivering. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, let's let's look at the. Uh, the NFL here. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to find a random just scrolling through here on DraftKings. Okay. Eagles minus nine against the commanders. I don't like big numbers. They scare me, but I really trust this Eagles defense. Kind of like I trust the Browns defense. I trust that Eagles pass rush, especially against Sam Howell. Yeah. I mean, that's built around pressure and I don't trust Sam Howell very much against pressure. So this is one where you know, it's it's still minus one ten, so Eagles minus nine. That feels like a, a biggish number that might be worth taking a look at. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I generally, especially in the NFL, because there's there's just the league's built on parity. But man, uh, I, I project at twelve and a half, so I, my number agrees with you. You know, in a big way. Uh, and and having watched these two teams, admittedly, I've watched the Eagles more than I've watched the Commanders. But I'm with you. I I think the Eagles are. Similar to the Browns, I think they probably have a little bit more offensive punch, but uh, Sam Howell against that Eagles defense, that if I was a Commanders fan, I would be really worried about that matchup. Uh, so I, I think I don't think I'm personally going to bet it, but if I was to make a play in that game, I would I would lay it with the Eagles. Okay, so what's your favorite uh, one of your favorite bets out there this week? Yeah, so one of my favorite bets this week, uh, the Giants and Seahawks uh, over forty seven. Uh, I, I really like that. Let me see my projection on that's 49 and a half, you know, so getting, getting through 48 and 49, both are, are kind of key numbers on totals. So we're getting through both of those. Uh, so I, I really like the, the Giants and Seahawks to go, to go over that. Yeah. We know the Seahawks can, can score a ton of points in a hurry. So that's interesting. What's your stay away? Well, after staying away two weeks ago, betting them last week, I'm back to staying away from the Jets. <laughs> You know, I uh, like I said, I, I try to get ahead of the market. I, I thought I was going to outsmart everyone and, and bet the Jets last week, and they just are the Jets. So until further notice, I want I want no part. You know, I would say I would have said the Bears here, but the fact they play the Broncos this week, I actually might end up being on the, the Bears take, getting getting three or three and a half points against the Broncos because the Broncos suck pretty bad also. So uh, in, a, in, in a game that I have no interest in actually watching, there might actually be some value on the Bears this week. So they're not going to be my stay away team just yet, but but keep an eye on them. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just put it in and forget about it. And then when the money shows up in your account, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that one. Good. Yeah, that was a good thanks, one. Thanks, Justin Fields. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and anything else? Do you have anything else here before uh, before I let you go? No, I don't think so. I think think that pretty much covers it. Um, you know, doing doing pretty well here, especially on these on these Browns bets. So hopefully we can – we can keep that rolling. Uh, no, again, no, no props this week. Hopefully, we'll find something we like like next week. But um, you know, hopefully, these these team totals will keep cash. And I, I like that we're onto that. Yeah, just keep riding those until uh, until we can't anymore. Okay, yeah. uh, that is Tyler Shoemaker. Where can people find you? Yeah, find me on X at T Shoe Index, uh, and I write Monday through Thursday for uh, Vsin dot com. That's V S I N dot com. Uh, doing college football articles, best bets, NFL articles, and best bets. You know, like I said, I, I wrote an article about. When, when you should buy points in both college and NFL because those numbers are different. Uh, so, you know, just a, a lot of betting betting content there. So if you're interested in that, definitely go check it out there. All right. Uh, we will talk to you again. Uh, we actually get the bye week coming up, so we'll probably talk to you again before that San Francisco game here uh, in a couple of weeks. Tyler, thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Dan. See you. 
And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to Tyler. It is time. Dan back here with Mary Kay and Ashley, and we are going to make our picks. So the Browns are, it kind of depends where you look. I think DraftKings had them as three-point favorites, but of course we'll take FanDuel's two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, But again, favored against the Ravens at home, Cleveland Browns Stadium, 1 o'clock. I don't know if this is going to end up being a clean sweep again, but who wants to start? Who wants to make their their convincing case here one way or another? Is anyone passionate about their pick here? I don't have a pep talk this week, oh. so I I don't know. I mean, I can go first. Go for it. I think, like, I last week especially when everything still felt in flux with, like, the Nick Chubb thing and – I'm trying not to, like, ride the highs and lows of these week-to-week waves, which, like, that's that's kind of hard sometimes to not get sucked into when you are in this building and talking to these guys every single day. And, like, you, you kind of, the emotions can maybe cloud your analysis a little bit. But I just cannot see a world in right now, in because of how banged up the Ravens are, that it's like they're going to come in here and it's going to be an easy win. And because of the fact that it's at home because of how well this defense is playing right now. I think I have to pick the Browns, even though it drives me a little crazy that I've picked them all four times. And like, I don't want to sound like we joke about being like the Homer section here when we all pick them. And I don't know if we all are going to pick them, but like, I, I'm not going to pick against them just for the sake of picking against them right now. Um, and we'll see what happens after this game and going into the bye. But I just think that this defense is playing too good, and they still really have not given up a touchdown. Like, the touchdowns the Steelers got were defensive scores. So it's hard for me to justify picking against this defense when they have, like, a 0% red zone conversion rate right now, and the teams have only gotten into it twice against them, and it was both the Titans last week. So I think I'm going to pick the Browns. I'm going to go... 24 to 13. I'm going to give the Ravens a touchdown and two Justin Tucker field goals <laughs> if my math is right there because I just think this defense is that good. And with how banged up the Ravens are, I I don't think Lamar can be so heroic to pull this off, but I think the the Browns are going to hold them off. So that's where I am too. Like I can't I can't talk myself into I really want to talk myself into picking the Ravens because I don't want this to be another week where like, oh look, everybody picked the Browns. Go team. But I'm with Ashley. Like this defense is legitimate. Like, and you guys know, like, I'll be as cynical as anyone when it comes to this stuff. But like this defense is good enough to carry this team to the playoffs and beyond. No matter like the offense could be non-existent and this defense would still carry them to 10 wins, probably. So it's hard for me to look at this Ravens team based. They're really, they've been really loose with the football um, in the games that I've watched. Again, Mary Kay, you mentioned it. They don't have Rashad Bateman. They don't, they might not have Odell Beckham Jr. I think Zay Flowers is real. I think he's going to be a number one receiver in this league, but he's still a rookie. Um, Mark Andrews is back. They have that. Lamar Jackson scares me to death. We've seen that magic firsthand, like in 2020 at that stadium, we've seen what he can do. I just can't justify picking the Ravens this week. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go on with a blowout here. I do think it's going to be a closer game, but I'm thinking maybe something like 17 to 14 Browns. And I feel like that offensive number might be a little low, but it, that's the one thing. I just need to see this offense do it again. That's that's kind of why I'm. That's where I'm hedging a little bit. But I absolutely trust this defense, so I'm going to take the Browns 17 to 14. Very interesting. You guys are going with some 
really low scores. You've got 13 and 14 that the Ravens will be scoring. Um, I think it might uh, take a defensive touchdown or two if the Ravens are going to keep the game close. But uh, they're perfectly capable of doing that. Um, So that's going to be really interesting. Takeaways are going to be vitally important in this game. And the Browns have got to protect the football. I think they're going to. I think they're going to force Lamar to fumble once or twice. I, I really do. I think they're punching it out of there uh, for Lamar. Um, but it's just a matter of then uh, the Browns really, really, really protecting the football. And I think there are some some players, you know, some some young guys, even like a Jerome Ford, who um, could be vulnerable to getting it stripped in a very, very physical game like that. This, this is going to be a really, really physical game. It always is when the Ravens and the Browns play. And that's what even Roquan Smith was talking about, that, yeah, they're physical, but so are we. Um, so it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one to watch. I really do. Um, but I am I'm going to go with the Browns once again because of the strength of their defense and because I do think that the Ravens are a little bit too banged up uh, to come out here and and win this game. And the Browns are at home, and they know they're heading into their bye week after this, and they want to be that team that ends up 3-1 and one at the end of the day on Sunday. Oh, there is one more option. They could both end up 2-1-1, one, and one, by the way. That is true. <laughs> That's true. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so... Uh, I do think the Browns are going to win. I don't have a good handle on what the score would be yet, so I just went with what came to mind, and that was 28-24. to 24. That might require a defensive few points here and there. I think, too, I was thinking about this, just on this defense. Obviously, on offense, the Browns have already lost two all-pro players, um, Jack Conklin and Nick Chubb. The defense is still really healthy. They haven't lost a key defensive player yet. So, yeah, not, knock on wood. They have not lost a key defensive player to this point. Uh, they played without Juan Thornhill in week one. It was they fine. Played without Greg last week. Yeah, with Cam Greg. Mitchell kind of came in. and Like Jim Schwartz said today, like, Cam kind of made one mistake that I'm not, I'm not even sure what play he was referring to. I'd have to go back and watch it that they, they gave up a little bit of a gain there. But yeah. he's like, Cam came back and corrected it, and it was fine after that. Like, whatever Cam did that he didn't like, he didn't do it again. Yeah, so I mean, like, a game here or there. But they haven't really been hit with injuries on that defensive side yet. So, again, if we're looking at all the units here, we're saying who's got – I think the defensive unit for the Browns is the best one in this group. I think the offenses might be a wash. Special teams, probably just because of Justin Tucker, it's the Ravens, but Dustin Hopkins has been making kicks at least, so you at least trust that. So I think because of all of that, too, it, it just feels right to pick the Browns. Spoiler alert, next week, well, not next week, but <laughs> the week after this, next, yeah. that might be the first week that that's I actually go be, against the Browns. That's going to be where the this divulges, I think, because that's already what I was thinking about, too, and that might kind of be regardless of what happens in this game. Yeah, so, well, there you go. Tune into that podcast to see if we've changed <laughs> our minds by then uh, in, in a couple weeks. Uh, but that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. You'll find us there. Become a football insider, subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info on that and get signed up. Um, and yeah, I think that's everything I have to promote. We'll cover everything at cleveland.com slash Browns. 
Did you have something, Ashley? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Ashley just made a face. I thought she was going to add something. I forgot. I was having a technical issue all day that I think is resolved now, but knock on wood. It's unrelated to this podcast, <laughs> though, thankfully, because podcast technical issues are my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't need, again, knock on wood there. <laughs> we don't need any of that. Uh, okay. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to Tyler. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.